has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, and pleasing him in all respects, and bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again I incline my ears to his word. God is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats quickly. We'll get into our teaching. And there's something I want everybody to remember. Let's just remind ourselves of this. A very important force in life is what is called faith. Faith is a very vital force for living. It's vital. Please don't ever forget this thing I said. Faith is a vital force for living. It is vital. If God wants to do something, you can reject, you can make it impossible for him to do because of lack of faith. Don't joke with it. Faith is very vital for living. God may want to bless a people or a person, and he can't simply because faith is not found in their hearts. Faith is not found in their environment. Faith is not found with the people. If God stands in front of you and says, I will bless you, the only advantage you have as a result of that vision is that hopefully that vision will ignite faith in you. But the fact that he said it does not make it sure in itself. Please, I hope you're getting what I'm going to say here. So if God gives you a vision... You know, that's the mistake a lot of people make. Actually, God gives his visions, his words to provoke faith in the heart of people. So, faith is crucial, is critical, is like oxygen in the realm of the spirit. The only thing that he can do if faith is not there is to withdraw his spirit. And then you begin to see calamity, you begin to see trouble, things start scattering. If you are going to have blessing, if you are going to have you know, order. If you are going to even have, listen to this, structured judgment and, you know, organized, I'm trying to do this with order, when God will remove trouble. And because when he wants to remove trouble from you, it's trouble for somebody else. I don't know where you get my point. Yeah, God wants to remove trouble from you, he may have to give somebody else trouble. <laughs> do you get my point? That's what I mean. That's what, that, that's what I mean. Deliverance from you is judgment for somebody else. That's why it gives men in exchange for your life. There are times that somebody must die. There's nothing anybody can do about it. It just says it will not be you. Now, so to have that structured judgment, that's what I'm trying to say. Again, it requires faith. And that's one mistake we have made for a long time. We don't realize that we have to activate divine judgment against iniquity in the land so that you will be spared when he wants to judge iniquity. If you are not one of those praying against it, you are seen as one of those tolerating it. Did you hear what I said? For example, in this country, eh? and that's one way by which the people of God get into an interesting situation. A good one anyway, but it's interesting. For example, if you are going to pray against disorder, you know, your prayer will work against you. If you don't remove disorder from your life or remove yourself from participating in disorder. Now, so what a lot of Christians do 
you understand, is that they don't want to pray those prayers because the first thing that does, you know, when Paul wrote to Timothy and he said that the husbandman that labors must be what? First partaker of the fruit. That thing has a very wide application. But the one Paul was saying specifically to Timothy, when he was instructing him, what he was saying to Timothy was that when you are preaching, you must be the first to benefit from your own preaching. It doesn't mean financially now, you know, because what some of us think is that when you preach prosperity, you must show your love. No, Paul never implied that. There's nothing wrong with um, you preaching prosperity and enjoying prosperity. I don't have any problem with that. But when Paul wrote to Timothy and he says that the husbandman that labors must be a first partaker of the fruit, what he was referring to is I was telling Timothy, as you are preaching holiness and righteousness, Holiness and righteousness must be found where? In you. That you must be first person to experience that holiness. I hope you're getting my point. So when we as believers start praying against some things, what he was saying in effect, okay, is that you first have to remove that thing out of your life. If you don't, that judgment will come to you too. So what you do is to remove it out of your life. And one of the reasons why God delays in some things in this life, all right, is that, you see, he knows that once he pause, see, let me explain this. You pray for blessing, you pray for blessing, you pray for blessing. Let's say for a nation. God says, listen, before I bring that thing, I have to claim some things. So he says through Jeremiah, you will pull down, you will uproot, you will overthrow, I know four works of destruction. Then you will build and you will plant. There's a spirit behind that. So when God wants to bring a blessing, he does that. He uproots people. He uproots systems. He destroys things, including people. And then he begins to build and and he begins to plant. Now when it comes to judgment on the works of people, God does not discriminate. Whether you're a Christian or not Christian, he doesn't discriminate. You know, there are doctrines that try to make it look like it's not true. That um, if you're, once you're a believer, you are covered. It's not true. It's actually absolutely not true. I've been saying it, which I heard one of our brothers say, that saving grace is what? Enabling grace. So if you are truly saved, God gives you the ability to walk away from iniquity. When it comes to judge iniquity, whether you're born again or not, like God will come and say, okay, go and judge thieves. Once the angel of, let's say angel of, Judge death. Now, I'm not saying we'll kill, but just that's one we know very well from the scriptures. Once the angel of death starts, he doesn't discriminate whether you're a Christian or not. If you're a thief, you're going to be judged. I don't know whether you're getting my point. And I can prove it to you. God told the people of Israel, I'm taking you into a land that has been defiled by the activities of the people therein. He said, now, what I'm doing, I said, the land has become polluted. Therefore, is vomiting up the inhabitants. He said, now you will not do the things that they did. He said, if you do exactly the judgment I give to them, I have to apply to you. So if you want to be preserved in the land, you are not preserved that God gave us this land. That's not what preserves you. What preserves you is that the God who gave us this land Gave us inside information on why he removed the other people. I hope you're getting my point. So, because we have it, he has told us what to do. 
So that we will not be judged like the other people. That's the only thing you have as an advantage. Because that judgment, you see, because it's called the righteousness of God. If it doesn't apply it like that, he's unjust. I hope you're getting my point. Do you know, if Christians commit sin, the pollution is actually more grievous? Because to whom much is given, much is expected. So the impact, you know, people have told me, okay, let me not get into digression there. No, okay, if I go there, I'm going to get stuck. There's something, there's a question my wife, and my wife asked me before. People have asked, and they've tried to explain some things. And I said, no, there are things that a man will do. It's a sin, okay? But if a woman does it, it's more sinful. There are things that a woman will do. It's a sin. A man does it, it's more sinful. I won't, go, I won't tell you which now, so that you will not say, yeah, okay, let's, no. And the reason is simply because the natural tendency that you need to overcome to do it is different for each person. I hope you're getting my point. Yes. yes. That, that's just the way God. I won't go further than that. Just, let me just leave that one there. So this is what happens, okay? When, if Christians do something, a land is more polluted because more is expected from them. Because there's a principle of mercy which bears in mind the level of ignorance and inherent lack of capacity. He's mindful that we are both flesh. He's actually mindful of it. God doesn't punish people until they disobey. If they follow their natural inclinations, he's very merciful. But when he has given them warnings and he's told them what is right to do, and they still continue in the natural inclinations, he punishes them. Then they say, our flesh doesn't matter because if you have tried to obey him, he will have helped you. Am I saying too many things? You must know spiritual things. I told you, I'm training spiritual doctors. You know, I was the last time. Yes, everybody that listens to me must understand. You will have understanding. You, you, it's not a prayer. It's a warning. You will have. I, I'm telling you. Once you listen to me, you won't be stupid spiritually. You, will, you can't be. You can't be. You must know spiritual book. You understand? You, and you, you will know how things work. You, that's my job. That's why I talk plenty. If you listen to me consistently for two years, you can become a spiritual lecturer. It's just my, it's my assignment. Okay? So that's why I talk plenty. So bear with me. Those of you who are looking for Ozubo miracle, I don't have. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but now you are done with you, my God. You will walk, you'll see ancestral curses and laugh. You just walk away from it. Say, me and you are not the same level. I heard one man that they said, Satan told him something. I said, why are you having that kind of conversation? <laughs> why are you laughing? Why does that Satan say somebody something? Yeah, he said, Satan told him something. And I was like, and I was wondering, like, why are you having that kind of conversation with him? Yeah, seriously, things are just like that. You know, there are men of God that have told me that they pray one kind of prayer. Like, why will you pray like that? Remember one man said that Satan appeared to him and he knelt and started praying. I said, Satan appeared to you and you knelt? He said, after, like, he has prayed for like one hour. Satan was just sitting down there looking at him. Like the devil, physically, was looking at him. And the Holy Spirit now said, speak the word, speak the word. I said, one hour to hear the Holy Spirit tell you speak the word? Anyway, what am I saying? When you listen to me, God will fill you 
with you know you know what you know everybody has an assignment in life. They asked John, what is, who, are, who are you? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Some people ask me sometimes, you know, I ask myself, who are you? He said, I will give you pastors after my heart who will feed you with knowledge and with understanding. I said, I'm one that has been given after the heart of God to feed these people with knowledge and with understanding. Yeah, that's my own job. I will talk till you are tired. <laughs> me, I won't get tired. <laughs> the Lord is good. So I was trying to say something here. That you see, so, Christians have a higher level of responsibility. God, if he punishes iniquity, he will punish iniquity whether it's found in his people or it's found in unbelievers. It's irrelevant. However, what his people have as an advantage is that they know the God who's going to punish iniquity. So they cleanse themselves of all defilement by his power. So he constantly cleanses them with the washing of water by the word. I hope you're getting my point. Now let me go back to the beginning so that you, because we have a bit of interruption in our conversations. So let me just remind you, I said faith is necessary to receive God's blessings. That's number one. Number two, I said part of divine blessing is orderly judgment. Because there's, there's what I call, which one can I use now? There's a general judgment that God gives to the whole earth. And drowns everybody. Do you follow my point? It can come to a nation and wipe everybody out. And many of the nations that existed, that Israel took their land, they, you don't know about them to, today. It's just those references you have to their names. They left them no remnant. I'm not joking about that. The ones that Joshua and Co. did not kill died of disease. The ones that disease did not kill died of you know, the, um, what do you call it? Natural disasters. The ones that natural disasters did not kill, animals, wild animals killed. And it was systematic. It, they were wiped out entirely. There was no one to save from amongst them. That's what I mean by, you know, general judgment. That's what happens when God withdraws his spirit of blessing entirely. A whole generation goes away. Have you heard people say before that uh, Europeans came and plundered Africa? Leave that in them. I've meditated well enough to know if some of those who did not come because the gospel came along with some of those traders and all of that. Many of the African nations, I don't mean countries, there were no countries then, there were nations. What do you call nations? Groups of people. Do you understand? Tribes and tongues. Many of those nations would have been wiped out entirely. That you know in Africa today, they wouldn't have existed anymore. True. In fact, I read that quote long ago. It described one particular race of people in, um, is it Sudan? It said they were among the tallest persons on the earth. But today, where are they? They don't exist anymore. And that's recent history. Yeah, recent history. He described them in one of his books. But right now, not one. They are gone. He said they were like giants. Recent history. They were alive till maybe like 40, 50 years ago. But they are not exist anymore. They are totally gone. Wiped out entirely. So don't think it's, it's, it's theory. Many of the things you observe in this life today, <laughs> if, they read, if they wrote them in the Bible, do you know what? In fact, you've read them in the Bible, you just did not realize that's what's going on. 
some of the reactions we are having would have had it then. Meanwhile, in scriptures, it was God wiped those guys out. So bear it in mind. So judgment can come, just take everybody away. God is tired. It's like flood the whole earth. Or judgment can come systematically in such a manner that it will preserve the righteous. It will, it will come in such a manner as to preserve the land. It will come in such a manner as to just remove the tears so that the wheat can survive. That kind of judgment comes only by the prayer of the righteous. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, it comes. Now, we, we, we don't teach properly. You see, oh God, Christians pray wrongly a lot. God, you can, it's right to ask for God's mercy. Okay? But you must understand that his mercy has conditions. His mercy is not just like that. If you read your Bible, his mercy is everlasting upon who? Those who fear him. If you don't fear him, his mercy is very short. Those who fear him, they make mistakes every day. And guess what? He overlooks them all the time. Those who fear him, it doesn't mean they are perfect. It just means that if they do something wrong, and he doesn't say anything, and they don't know it's wrong, okay, no judgment. But the day he points out that that is wrong, it displeases me. They straighten up. Now, if they do that thing again and they hear him coming, they hide. They are afraid. <laughs> Why are you afraid? The Lord is, ah, ah, if he catches me, I'm dead. That reaction is preserving. That reaction is life preserving. I had a classmate, brilliant guy. He did something which I remember. You know, you know students misbehave, they are students. Maybe they don't know the lecturer is coming. They'll go and stand in front. And they'll be raving like a lecturer. They, they've done it to me, you know. He just, he just, they just say, <laughs> they'll be mocking you, mimicking you, calling you by your grandfather's name. Then when you show up, what do they do? They disappear. The guy who was the lecturer just now, you jump out through the window. Now, that reaction is very righteous. It preserves your life. So one day, my class was supposed to have a meeting somewhere, a, a, a lecture. So they're not using executive conference room. So, you know, with high table and all of that. Executive chairs. So boys went there, sat down. Aha! What's going on? Then at the point in time, the big men now started coming in. Now, I think a particular big man, but there's one I remember. As they walked in, the rest, you know, all the students, what did they do? They got up and said, pack their things. Everybody said, it's not me, it's not me. Cover their head with their coats and quickly go to their seats. So that the one guy... He looked at the lecturers, calmly practiced things like, what's the rush about? Are they not human? In that attitude. Whether he was thinking it or not, we don't know. But that was how he came out. So he calmly took his things, took his time, packed his things, and got up to leave. The lecturer said, you, get out for not knowing your place in life. That was the statement. He said, you don't know your place in life. Get out. He saw everybody do. He could identify all of them. No, I mean, it was not a large class. It wasn't a very large class. They, didn't, they couldn't disappear. He could see them. But he said he's mindful that they are bought flesh. They are bought children. This is what children do. But when you do it and you are calm about it, it's called lack of fear of God. That's why the literal fear of God preserves lives. 
People don't understand it. They want to make it look like, no, fear doesn't mean, no, fear means you'll be afraid. You should be afraid. You have not done what the Lord thy God said. What is it? I did it somewhere. What's all this noise? What do you mean? What? Cow. Cow. Okay, this boy took two cows. This was it they want to sacrifice to the Lord. Why? Somewhere. I don't get it. Calm down. You're getting over excited. Why are you overreacting? God looks at, eh. He said, for that, I reject you as being king. That was all. What was the big thing they did? No, think about what you call sin. It didn't appear very big. Look at the guy who took over from him. That one took, took another man's wife and murdered the man. And he was used to Samuel, senior prophet. By this time around, Samuel was gone. I'm not remembering Nathan was junior to Samuel. Possibly David's age, contemporary. So Nathan walked in this time around and said, Ah, you took a man's wife and killed him. And David fell down. I have sinned before the Lord. He became afraid. He began to tremble. And God spared his life. That is the difference. The first guy didn't kill. In fact, what he did was not to kill. What he did was not to destroy animals. This one took somebody's wife. Look, if you read your Bible, take another man's wife. It's a sin punishable by death as far as God is concerned. He doesn't joke with it. Now, that is one. Then you kill the man. That's a sin punishable by killing your dead body. <laughs> yeah, because you're already dead. So you have to kill. So you. That's what David did. But what did God do? Well, let's put it like this. Nothing. Of course, he punished him. He made sure he learned his lesson. But he said, no, I will not withdraw my loving kindness from him. That's what it means when he said, the mercy of God is everlasting on those who fear him. He's literally afraid of him. Those who raise their children, I say, what will he do? God sometimes has to prove to them what he will do. <laughs> so sometimes when we are praying, we have to be careful. I've heard people pray sometimes. Some will pray back for Nigeria. I can't really pray. Say, so we command peace. All right, sometimes I look okay, but I say, bros, before you command peace, command revival. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because it is against God to say the peace, the wicked should have peace. Yeah. You are fighting against God if you declare peace upon the wicked. You can implore for mercy. You can say to the Lord, for the sake of the elect. Did you get that? Yes. For the sake of your people. And God knows that. Sometimes he binds himself. What do I mean by he binds himself? He throws his own people in the midst of people that he wants to punish. So as to restrain himself. Because if I don't, I don't have a choice. I will wipe all these people out. So for orderly judgment to even come, it requires prayer. And if you want to be spared in the day of trouble, one of the assignments I'm giving to the church again by the Spirit of God is to invoke orderly judgment. Yeah, you have to. You have to say to the Lord, arise, let your enemies be scattered. It is forbidden that you should invoke the peace of God on those who don't fear him. God doesn't accept that. You can't. What do I do sometimes? Just overlook. Don't even talk about that. Just beg God for mercy. God, wait now. Just give them one more year. I hope you're getting my point. You know, sometimes, those early days when we first married, 
I just said to my wife, there's something she used to do. When she wants to pray for friends and relatives and all of that, she'll be, she'll be quoting scripture. I said, come, why are you quoting that scripture? I said, no, it's not, it's not how to pray for everybody. That's how to pray for people who you, are, you know. Go and read your Bible. Paul said, ever since I heard of your faith and the love you have for the saints, I did not cease. That is, those prayers of Paul, you see, it's not for everybody. Connecting with prayer is not, is, is not free. It's not free. It's not free. You can read it. Paul will say, I heard of your faith. I heard of the love you have for the saints. Since then, I have not ceased to pray for you. Making mention of you in my prayers. That God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, will give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. Then he begins to pray for them more and more. That your love may abound more. He doesn't waste his time on those that don't show any iota of respect for the word of God or for the brethren. You know why? It doesn't work anyway. So I just tell my wife, does it? I say, hey, okay. I want to pray for people. I know they are your friends and your relatives. Some of you are quoting really no scriptures. Pray for them. May the Lord have mercy on you. They will say amen. God, the merciful God. May you overlook all your iniquity. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you. Before you start reading out scripture, promises for people, make sure they have faith. That's not the way you tell it. It's written concerning you. I will never leave you, neither will I ever forsake you. If you're not sure of their faith, may God have mercy on you. May God give you more chances. <laughs> Don't sit down like that, but thank you. Yeah, seriously. May you heal your disease. No, you can ask a blessing. I hope you're getting my point. I'm not saying you can't. But you cannot command a blessing. You cannot invoke a promise. So many times we're asking for peace upon the land. God said, look at these people. You are just making, you are making things worse. You're asking me to bless wicked people who have no respect for righteousness. Why should I? You think you will endure in prosperity like that? No. You will not endure in prosperity like that. You won't. You have to say, anyone that will take a bribe to cause children to cheat in exams, may he lose ten times the money he collected. May he lose that job. You have to say that. I mean, you have to. If you don't know exactly what he will say, okay, there's no problem. Just carry scripture and read it out. Now, notice something. I'm being careful not to point at anybody. I won't say, this man, God will punish you. No, no, I won't say that. But I leave the judgment of God into the air. The word of God is alive and what? Active. He will find the person. Because sometimes you don't want to invoke judgment on somebody. God wants to show mercy. Do you get my point? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because you see, that's why, that's why you have to be careful. You don't judge individuals. Because he may have four people who are interceding for him every day. Two of you are now in conflict. And you may be wrong. And then again, you don't know his own mitigating circumstances. I told that God shows mercy. Remember I said so? Because of ignorance, he does that. Because the person has not been corrected enough to understand that what you are doing is absolutely against the Lord. So that's why you don't pick people. You don't point at people. But you must lift a spirit. You must lift a spirit into the air. To say in this place we do not tolerate iniquity. Then when that spirit has been released, each person 
as your spirit will catch them. Some people to show their mercy, but we have to tell God that we don't tolerate some things. And we don't just say it in prayer, like I said earlier. We also say it by our own works. And one of the reasons why you should pray such prayers is that to make you afraid also. Let me say it again. Let's not preach the mercy of God in such a manner that we set ourselves up for destruction later. You must preach. Were you the one telling me who was quoting that direct prince or Zakunen? Yes. That he says, tell me. Yes. He says, Zakunen said, you don't teach the mercy of God to, the, to a people that you have not taught the fear of God. They have to be afraid first before you calm them down. I want to say fear, please. I know it's, it, it, faith teaching and grace teaching doesn't agree with that, but it's the truth. Fear means what? Fear. It means fear. Thank you. It doesn't mean reverence. It means to be afraid to die. It means to be afraid to go to hell. It means to be afraid to annoy him in such a manner that he will enjoy you. That's what it means. It's nothing like, oh, let's just fear the Lord. Oh, brother, let's begin to fear God. Oh, Lord, we fear you this morning. Oh, oh, oh. No. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. Reverence and fear are two different things. Even the reverence you are talking about is not reverence. Okay, sorry, what is the meaning of reverence? Let's think about it. Let's even talk about it. Let's, even, let's identify that reverence for a moment. What's the meaning of awe? What is the meaning of respect? You, de- you prostrate. Okay, let me now show you what I actually call. I just thought about it now. What he calls reverence. He said, don't come near the mountain. Anyone that comes near the mountain, kill. So there's reverence for that mountain. Did you catch that? Okay, give, give me one scripture. Okay, <laughs> reverence and all two different things. See, sometimes eh, the so-called reverence that Israel felt eh, was enforced by severe judgment. Okay, you want an example? Uzzah. After Uzzah, everybody had reverence for the ark. Did you catch that? After Uzzah, everybody had reverence for the ark. Say, where are you going? (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Do you know why we call that place Perez Uzzah? There's a reason. What is Perez Uzzah? That was where the Lord perezed over Uzzah. (laughs) (laughs) Say what? That is, even David, he ran away. We have to fear God, though. We have to fear God, though. Because sometimes when people teach the mercy of God, they lose fear for God. And the number one thing that has when you rank it in the amount of blessings t- attached to it, the number one principle that had the highest number of blessings in the scripture is the fear of God. It's the fear of God. The people that God blesses the most are those who fear him. Not those who work for him. Not those who pray for him. Not those who help other people. Not those who love the Lord. In that sense. But those who what? Fear him. There is no want for those who fear him. Those who fear him, he will teach the way they should choose. It is fear that God blesses the most. So sometimes I think that it's an orchestrated 
you know, a spiritually orchestrated method or um, arrangement to deny the church of his blessing when we stop teaching the fear of God. Because you can't fear God the way you fear a rattlesnake. Like I always say, fear it more. If you see rattlesnakes coming here and an angry God coming, <laughs> you, 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 you rush the snakes and take, take your time. <laughs> rush the snake. You stand a better chance of survival. <laughs> no. But let's say this again. There has to be a balance. Why I speak like this sometimes is that the other end has been spoken of so much, it has become imbalanced. It has become imbalanced. So, we are trying to balance it back. My best way I illustrate it is, as a father, I learned that a lot. Your children can fear you at the same time and love you. The issue of fear only comes to the issue of disobedience. That's all. So, the fear is not really amplified except you are walking in disobedience. But that fear is always at the back of your mind. We must not disobey. We must not disobey. We must not displease. We must not take him for granted. One of the things you learn in life is not to overstep your bounds because the person you are relating with is a you know, free person. It's not, you know, you go, you go to an office or your boss is very free. He's not one of those people that take things very just enter the place. From, ah, good morning, sir. Now become well, how far? There was one lady my wife told me about. My wife said, no, no, free person, she doesn't. So, one young woman got married, you know. <laughs> so, one day, it's been a while. My wife said, ah, okay, how? So, she was driving up. My wife said, she saw her. I said, ah, see your life. My wife squeezed her mouth. <laughs> so, you don't have manners. You know the way they play with everybody? Everybody just plays, you know. Ladies just relax. So, she's not married. Now, don't join the, the, the gang of married women. So, she doesn't know what she just was. Now, trying to play with my wife. I said, ah. See your life. My wife just squeezed her mouth. Don't have manners. She got the point. I may be laughing with you, playing with you. I'm not your mate. Don't ever forget it. Let me be the one to come down. Don't climb up. I do something to my seniors. We are very free. They will play with me. You know, I do something like a joke. I will go to the, one of my guys. I say, ah, good morning, sir. I will salute. I will bow. It's a joke. But more they joking like that. I'm not going to take a joke, push your head. <laughs> lie, lie. I will not use joke to push his head. I say, I know a guy is not like that. He thinks you are an idiot. That's why he's like that. He's, he has just left you to your, man, to your bad manners. I want to pick my chief at the airport one day. You know, say, I'm a Yoruba man by rightness and Hittiteness. A no go airport. Let me tell you, this is the kind of, my chief is the kind of person that we used to really literally play with. Because she was such a nice person. She's like that. She'll give you, in fact, a lot of things I do now, I copy it from her. To read for our final exams, we use her office. She'll leave your, her key with you. So at night, you come open her office, enter the place. Nobody knows you are there. You can read. Use her microscope. Literally, you need money. Go and meet chief. Please now. Lend me money. She will lend you. You're just a very, very nice person. And one day, I invited to Enugu for our exams. When I got to the airport, I prostrated in the airport. She was embarrassed. I said, no, chief. I will not, because of your attitude, not turn. Okay, I will not be made to. He said, bank, will you stop that? I said, okay, I beg. I won't stop it. <laughs> Enugu airport. 
So everybody look at, ah, what are you doing? And, uh, eh, Namaga. That's one thing. It happens a lot of um, Pentecostals. They learned a lot of things then. Uh, Holy Spirit, how, how far now? <laughs> Holy Spirit will look again. Eh? <laughs> now, wow. <laughs> I told you about one, one lady once. She said, Holy Spirit, ah, that sister has fellowship with God. She has fellowship. She's so close to the Lord. She's so close to the Lord, you know? So close to the Spirit, you know? <laughs> so one day she said, that Holy Spirit, how can you tell me to that kind of thing? I can't do it too. I said, Holy Spirit, obviously you don't believe. Then tomorrow, tell me, tell me Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the, God tells you to do something. He said, how can you? How could you have? If my wife tells me that, that's a loon. I'll bring her scripture. Two hours, she must hear the word of God. How could I? Okay, sit down. Hey, 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 forget this thing. Eh? This is how one man beheaded his wife's father. It's a traditional rule like that's a Olaika. Where's Olaika? If you remember, maybe the upper of his of his place. Anyway, it's, it's a, okay, you know I'm laughing for you. Yeah, one are laughing. One day he was having a bath, his wife was giving him a bath. Of course, men usually are not dressed when they are bathing, you understand? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Young wife, you no, know, she was she was rubbing his back and I said, hey, So this is all of you. The man said, What did you say? <laughs> he said, Small man like you. And everybody would fear you like this. The man said, Eh. So he called his chief officer. Bring her father's head for me. The man literally it really happened. The man went to his house, killed him, cut his head, put it on a platter, brought to the king. The king gave to the daughter uh, to his wife. He said, That's why they fear me. And her father was a big man in the town, in that kingdom. The guards went, killed the man, removed his head, put it on the platter the, the king gave to the wife. So you want to know why they fear me? It's not about body size. That's why. Don't do it, though. <laughs> but fear it. That's what I'm just telling you. <laughs> the Lord is good. What I'm going to say, let's fear God. No matter how much he is nice to us, good to us, and we can approach him any time, that fear means that we can't approach him with that with sin in our heart. Any instruction he gives, we obey like our survival depends on it. If it's hard, we get on our knees and stay there until he gives us the grace to do it. That's, that's what the fear of God means. The fear of God is very practical. It doesn't mean you are paranoid or you have anxiety disorder. No. It's practical. It means if God says no, no is no. And you will spend energy in prayer, your resources. You know when he says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy might. The word might in Hebrew hmm, is not just about muscle. It's material resources. So it says, the Lord thy God that gave the power to get what? Wealth. The literal Hebrew says, it's the Lord thy God that gives you power to get, to get power. It's the same word. It gives you power to get power. So in context, we understand he was saying it gives you the ability to get wealth. But it's the same word. So when he says, love the Lord thy God with all thy might, be it in mind. It means sometimes, he will say, oh boy, the salary here is one million a month, but the temptation is 50 million. 
The salary here is 100K. Temptation is very small. I can handle this one. You will love the Lord that go with 900K a month and walk away. <laughs> People don't get it. People want to disobey God and send him an offering. Hey, God. That's how to die quickly. If you want to disobey God, just disobey him completely. The money you got from disobedience, eat it by yourself. You are safer. Because you have added insult to disobedience. He said, don't do something. You did it. He didn't brought money. You now came and gave him a cut. You've added insult to disobedience. That's why, like we say for radio, those pastors who preach that if you give an offering, God will forgive your sins. Those pastors are, are going soon. Don't worry. You will soon go. That is God don't tire. I'm tired on his behalf. He, that is, <laughs> yeah, he's tired. Because you're causing people to continue to multiply sin upon sin because of what you are going to gain. And they keep on polluting the earth. The Lord doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. That's what I say to people. Lizzo, if you steal and you want to wash your money, you now want the spirit, you need the spiritual, spiritual money laundry. If you want to launder money, if you give to kingdom world, may the Lord double your punishment. In Jesus' name. Yeah. It's, just, it's not like I want you to be punished. I just don't want you to do it. People, people behave very funny. Instead of obeying God, they want to give him a cut. And that thing offends him, man. Eh? He offends him. Like God said, you, you think I'm one like you. Haba. Mm. The Lord is good. Awesome. Now, what have you been explaining? So, faith is required to, to download God's blessings. Faith does not only bring blessings. Oh no, the activities we have, the, the responsibility we have, that's the word. The responsibility we have is not just to bring in the blessing, but to also invoke orderly judgment. He said, when thy judgments are upon the earth, O God, the inhabitants thereof, they learn righteousness. You know what he said? Even if you were to show the wicked mercy, he said they won't still learn. So let's remember that faith is required. All of this just emphasizes the issue of faith. But the way it works, I need to emphasize some things. If God wants to do something, that's why he talks. The word provokes faith in your heart. So that when faith has been provoked, then what he wants to do will be doable. I use the word doable. He can't do it if there's no faith in the hearts of the people. And that's why prophets go around prophesying. That is why you hear prophets, preachers, quote prophets that came before to remind the people of God that keep the switch of faith for this thing turned on. Believers are not supposed to sit down and just watch and see whether God will do what he wants to do. No. They are supposed to actively participate. Spiritually speaking now, I'm not talking about physical participation. Physical participation will happen when it's necessary. But my emphasis right now is spiritual participation. They have to constantly hold on to that word that has been given. They are called co-laborers with God. If faith leaves your heart, even though Jesus spoke a word, Peter, walk on water, you will sink while he's watching. Peter said, if it is you, ask me to come. And Jesus said, come. Come is empowerment to walk on water. 
come his empowerment to float. And Peter put down his foot on the water, and the water did not part to let him sink. He was walking on it. Then he took his eyes away from the Lord. Doubt and fear came into his heart. What happened? He began to sink in the lost presence. In the lost presence. And Satan, you know, I've said this many times. He would say, Satan, you will not take my money. Satan said, what do you have to do with your money? You will not take my job. Satan said, do I look like I can walk in your office? The first day I appear, everybody will run. I don't need any of these things. What I want is your face. Give that one to me. You can have your job. In all the affliction of Job, what was he looking for? His face. He was not concerned. Job, if you have 500 children and have 1 million heads of cattle, what's my problem with it? Just deny God, I give you everything. Just de- look, Satan, look, denying, there's not came to Jesus Christ. I said, look, just bow to me. Then you can have everything. You can have everything. You can have everything. All these testimonies of money, 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 money without the testimony of righteousness is the problem we're having. The real thing, you know, oh God, <laughs> have you heard this just before? You know, when we were young, we used to say things like that. If this Babala really has power, why is it in the village? Why, why is it not in the mansion? Have you heard that thing before? We want to use it to prove that people are just following vanity. They, they follow Babala that doesn't have anything. When I became older as a Christian, I stopped talking nonsense. For a number of reasons. Number one, I realized that there are Babalawos in the village. There are Babalawos in mansions. They are everywhere. Remember when our friend told us about the, the head of Ifa priest that he went to see? He met him in a mansion. Things every Babalawo that's under a Roko tree at Okija Shrine. No. Some of them live well. They drive Bentleys. That's number one. Secondly, yes, Babalawos can be in the bush. And you go there and miss them, and they'll make you a multi-millionaire. They'll make you a governor. They give you power. Why don't they have it? They walk so much in the spirit, they can see what you can see. They know you are chasing vanity. They don't have time for it. That is one reason. It's one of the reasons. That's, those are the two things I found out. And some of them, they don't, what impresses you does not impress them. These guys commune with spirits. Literally. They talk to spirits of ancestors. They have eaten with the literal devil before. And they want to impress them with the fact that you have a, a car. The car will look at your car like this, and it will enter a bridge, enter the water. With you want him to now enter that car and feel safe. <laughs> a man that uses glance to take your car off the bridge into the river. Next time he enter the car, the guy is thinking of, I don't want another person more powerful than me to move me into the river. So you see him walk barefoot. So why is he walking barefoot? The guy looks like that my feet are not touching the ground. But you don't know now. Do you know? You are so worldly. Are you to my point? Everything you can see is physical. That's why he has no problem staying in the bush where he is. He has seen so much of the realm of the spirit that those things don't matter to him. If he wanted to move into the city, he could. But all the noise, all the pa 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 pa, he can't hear spirits again. So the guy said, "Let me go to where I can hear my spirit very well." What am I going to say? So look, Satan. Some of the things that we think is not fighting for your money; he's fighting for what? Your faith. He wants you to lose faith. He wants you to lose faith because once there's no faith, 
the plan of God is in suspension. If God cannot find a person of faith on the earth, his plan doesn't work. The only thing he can do is destroy. Do you know he promised that Jesus would come? Yet he started laboring for hundreds of years to produce one Abraham. And after Abraham, he labored and labored till he got a David. And he kept on laboring. If you see, there was a time, it came close, the time of Josiah, that he almost wiped out all the lineage that his promise was hanging upon. Only a six-year-old boy that was taken away and hidden somewhere saved the day, so to speak. Why? Because his plan doesn't work unless somebody pulls it down by faith. So it takes time to describe to the person. He will tell Abraham, I will bless you. Abraham said, yes, thank you. He said, no, 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 not just like that. You will be a blessing. Mm. I will make your name great. Mm. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He said, that's where I'm going now. So Abraham said, is that so? So let's work together. So he trained, took care of Abraham, trained him, removed him from his comfort, took him into the wilderness, Live in tents so that he, no, that was Abraham's school where he was. That mansion was not going to work. Took him out, moved from here, moved to here, moved over there. He was taking leg. He was from one school to the other. Did primary school here, secondary school here, university here. You know, doctor, you know, a postgraduate here, postdoc here. Just from one place to the other, until finally they did the final fellowship exams. Said, so go and sacrifice Isaac. What was he doing? Provoking faith in a man so that he could bring down the next level, the next step in the coming of the Messiah. But he has given the promise. And when Abraham did that, God was so like, ah, he was so excited. Now I have what I've been looking for. Then he took that one and used to walk down to David, and then from David down to when Jesus was now born physically. Even for Jesus to come. He went around, listen to this, the whole earth telling people the Messiah will come. And say, eh? The Messiah will come. Now, what I was say, this is a matter of fact. Some people literally will sit in caves, naked, meditating until he gives them a vision of the Messiah to come. Then when they get it, they give them a prayer to pray. And they will pray for the next 50 years. And one woman was, she was feeling so happy on the day of her wedding. Woo, love of my life. After a while, God looked and said, ah, this girl, this is not why we are going to give you life for. So he killed her husband. Yeah. What this one will be doing now is child bearing and cooking. What is the husband's name? Killer. I'm saying, sit. Let's sit out of this thing, I beg. What should be Satan too much? Don't remove the husband. I say, you start praying. The woman had no, nothing else to do. So he will wake up in the morning and pray. Go to the temple, offer sacrifices. Give us, just kept her busy with spiritual things. So you're talking about husband. I want to bless the whole earth. What's your own and this is your husband? That's what I said last time. Anyone who's not living for the advancement of the kingdom of Christ 
You are dead while you are alive. If God gives you money, look at the money. Say, Lord, good money, sir. How far? Before you buy a new phone or buy a new uh, suit of clothes, ask him how far. He said, oh, did you hear Pastor Banky say the other time that there's this missionary somewhere? Ask him for their phone number, for their, uh, for their account number. Give it to them. Don't complain. No. You are, it's your life you are saving. Say, thank you, sir. Say, look, can I have a prayer request? Say, this is my Nokia 110. Can you give it the battery extended life? <laughs> because you wanted to go and buy a smartphone. You know, it sounds funny, but I pray we'll sound, sound. I'm not joking. So I'll give you life for that. I said one day, your guy, one of these big Nigerian, Nigerian Christian musicians came to Enugu. And then, you know, one girl worked one project, something that other film of Voice Nigeria, she was in Enugu there. He was singing, you know, he was saying that we should encourage people like this. Say if it's in Lagos now, no, it's in the world now. They will buy one of her tables during her show for maybe one million naira. You buy one table. He said, can Christians do that? He said, very soon, if we don't encourage her, she will sing through me. I'm sorry, I was disgusted. I was disgusted. Free you. Have fun. Thank you. Go away. I thought the person in front of me. I said, how many times I don't encourage me to preach? I said, who encouraged me when I began to preach? Why do you think because you can sing, we owe you money? Are you an idiot? As you buy your table for a million naira, if I buy your table for a million naira, then you have to buy a seat in Kingdom World of Half a Million. Each seat. Don't be stupid. Which song can you sing we never hear before? Hymns have more power than all these things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doing... <laughs> what rubbish is all of these things? You'll be confusing young girls. Some of you to be going from church to church say, good morning, sir. Please, pastor, can I bless the congregation this morning? Mm-hmm. Sir, she should support you. Nonsense. I want to use the world to, to engineer the gift of God. The world will tell you how to manage it. Listen, anybody that's not living for the kingdom of Christ is dead while alive. So Jesus looked at Anna. But there's nothing I'm doing with this boy. In fact, good enough, that guy was not even a serious person. Himself. But there are people that go, if that guy was a good man of God, that would have, if two of them would have been praying together, God would have kept him alive. He was so busy, you know, showing that he's a man in the house. When the girl's supposed to pray, he said, go and bring food. The girl is praying, you know, said, go and cook. Now go kill him. I'm telling you, this life, do the will of God. If look, if 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 NYC sends your child to where they are going to do raw rugged, don't say I don't want them to injure my child. Though. Please let him go. See, those who want to save their life, what happens to them? They lose it. When the four score towers in Lagos collapsed, one girl that collapsed with it was posted to other Bono or Sokoto to go and save. Her parents relocated her to Lagos. Put her in that company. She followed her boss to that building. It collapsed and crushed her there. Her maids that stayed in the north finished NYC. See, when you're a Christian, your life is your life is scattered already. Just know it. So don't try and put all that for God. Just know it. See, this life is just for Jesus Christ. If your child is doing NYC, you call him. You say, "Where are you?" 
Say we are on the hill. Doing what now? We came to preach. Just say, the Lord is with thee. Don't stop asking those foolish, motherly questions. Are there snakes there? Okay, what do you want him to do? <laughs> what do you want him to do now? Be careful, no. So you thought we were not careful before? Now, mommy, I'm not the only one here. Mm. And I know. Okay, when else are you coming home? We are. Look, just tell him. I said, we'll be here for six months. Ah! This boy wants to kill me. Preserving life for what now? I've told my children, all of you must serve God. All of you. Every, we wake up in the morning, be thinking Jesus Christ. Be thinking him. Jesus, how do I serve you? How do I serve you? Anything you want to do in life, please, Jesus, how do I serve you? That, is, that must be the thought process. It must be. Because God needs it. He needs people like that to bring. You know, we, we can pray in as a faith without works is dead. What does it mean, works? Go, go and vote. Rubbish. All the people, all this voting, voting, it's not so they can have more comfort. Who is it that is voting so that the gospel can prosper? Nobody. Which of these churches have gathered people say, look, let us vote for the gospel to prosper? All the, all the, all the people that give them visa, they have disappeared. All this voting is lack of visa. All the NSAS people are not the ones running up and not going to collect PVC. The same set of human beings. Can't sacrifice anything. Tell them now that see visa, go abroad or sit down here, make a council or make a change. They take the visa and get out. And they go there and go and start suffering. I'm talking about faith. Faith is required when God gives us revelation. He says, oh yeah, this thing I have said, let's work together. Let's work together. Don't change your mind. Believe. Make, listen, make the necessary sacrifices. Like we're teaching on radio, businesses that, you know, we just, we just finished a series, Keys to Christian Business Success for radio. That, listen, when you are starting business, it's not that, okay, people say that, why, what are you doing more? You don't have enough money. We're talking about money. We don't start businesses as Christians because we are looking for money. There are reasons we do it. And one of them is I want to exert more influence for Christ. It's not how much will I make? No. See, there are businesses you will refuse to do. It makes money. You say, but what am I going to achieve? Nothing. You go and start a, 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 a coin, what do you call that? A coin exchange because it makes money. You're not influencing anybody. You're not blessing God. You're not teaching anybody righteousness. You're just pursuing mammon. There are businesses we do. We look at the business. Okay. How many people are working? 1,000. How much are you making? Nothing. But the business is surviving well. It's growing. So I give all the proceeds out as mission. That is like, it's not if you are giving to missions now. Take, take. No. It's like, anyone that comes, put it back inside. Employ 20 more people. Expand it. Keep on going. Those who don't know, look and say, ah, this man is rich. No, you're not. Your own wealth is that yes. Look, they will know. If you beat your wife, suspension. If you insult your husband, suspension. You think only wife beating does this thing? Eh? Some people think wife beating is only iniquity. All of them are looking quiet. <laughs> if you insult your husband, you are a husband beater. Okay, I'm going to digress there and stay there. And all the men are feeling very, very happy. Say, Pastor, preach it. Preach it. 
Any woman that insults her husband is a husband beater. You can't slap him because he'll kill you. <laughs> you know, Naveg, so that is why you are behaving yourself. It's not because you are righteous. A lot of women are very nice. It's not because they are righteous. But that guy, he can take nothing until you touch him. That is when he will peel the, red, the, the, the white in his eyes. He will peel it. He will see a red day under. He will show you something seriously. So a lot of women are very, very tame. But their mouth, even Jezebel, they respect in the morning. That is equivalent to husband beating. That is, you get my point? If a man was, you know, one day, you know, when something happened recently, one of my classmates said, any, 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 any man that beats his wife is lower than scum. I said, any woman that insults her husband is double lower than scum. They said, how do you talk like that? I said, why won't I talk like that? Why is it the only beating wives that you have a problem with? All of you are so quiet. Why? <laughs> Listen, any woman that disrespects her husband is a sinner. Any man that beats his wife is a sinner. Do you understand my point? Mm-hmm. Let's get it there. After all, if you stop calling your husband by the first name, it's not good. So, okay, how far? Talk. If I hear that from your mouth, okay, Baba. It's not correct. Don't call your husband. What if you hear your children say you will be offended? You have to live with example, for goodness sake. Be an example. Amen? Amen. Digression. Mrs. Jukes, at the end of today, you will come and tell me. What does nine mean, really? Good. That's a good word. Nine. Nine is a good, is a good one. Yes. If I hear you say, choose, hurry, I'm almost late. I will personally put you on suspension for that house. Anything your children can't tell you, don't tell your husband, for yes. goodness sake. Uh-uh. The Lord is good. That just bad the <laughs> Now what am I going to explain here? So you expand. What you are doing? Expanding righteousness. Your influence of righteousness. That's what you are doing. We're teaching that during our issue of um, the series on them. Um, Maintaining, sorry, keys to Christian business success. Yes, well, it's, it's a radio series, all right? So, what was it? We are living, not for ourselves. We are living to enthrone Jesus as Lord. So, without faith, that which God wants to do does not happen. That's the point I'm making. And faith manifests in prayer. It does. So, when God says something, we begin to invoke the power of God to execute that which he has spoken. Those things don't happen automatically. They don't happen automatically. It's the reason why God talks a lot. He's trying to bring us, like we said last time, to a point of what? Full persuasion. And if you can be fully persuaded concerning anything that God has spoken, nothing in this universe can prevent it from coming to pass. You hear what I said? If you can be fully persuaded, fully, concerning anything that the Lord has spoken, nothing in this universe can prevent it from coming to pass. And in fact, Satan understands. So what he also is trying to do is to you know, undermine that faith. Like we said last time, 
Sin in the life of the, of the believer is not just about, you know, I said last time that sin has two effects. There's retribution, then there's this incapacitation. There are two different things. Retribution being that, hey, you've disobeyed me, I will punish you. But there's a second one in which it's not about you disobeying me now, but you have removed your own ability to do certain things right. I hope you're getting my point here. If I said to you, okay, do this work here. Stay in this particular space and do this. And you leave and you go down to Abakwa. Now that you've disobeyed me is one thing. Then secondly now, how will you do what I told you to do? You are not in the place where you can do it. Do you get my point? So that's another, it's it's just, it's implicit in disobedience. You become incapacitated from obeying God. Which now leads to another retribution along the line. Because the day of judgment, you say, what did you do with the money I gave to you? So I forgot it down there. Do you care what I'm going to say? You have made it now difficult to do some things right. In the same manner, all right, that's what sin does for us a lot, to us a lot of times. It removes our ability to come to the point of what? Full persuasion. So therefore, we cannot, we are now unable to walk with God until his plan comes to pass. We've been talking about praying for the nation for a long time. See, all this hula balu is about undermining our full persuasion. Yeah, sometimes you'll be tempted, but that's when you get into the place of prayer again and start praying. Sometimes your prayer is for yourself. Like we did the, the, that series that time, the most important prayer. Praying for yourself. This, the most important prayer you pray for yourself is not about food and drink. It's about teach me thy word. Teach me thy precepts. Let me not disobey you. Help me to walk in a manner that is worthy of you to please in all respects. Jesus said, I'll pray for you that your faith will not fail. So he said, Lord, let my faith not fail. Things will happen in life that want to undermine my faith. Lord, let my faith not fail. That's prayer. That's prayer. Do you know, if you come to the place of full persuasion and you stay there, there's, listen, anything that God has spoken will happen in your life. I hope you're getting my point. That's what God will do with Abraham. He walked with him for a long time until Abraham came to the place of full persuasion. Abraham was so persuaded that even God could not unpersuade him. Is that English correct? No. It sounds confusing. Dissuade sounds too English. Well, let's use dissuade. <laughs> that, you know, it got to a point. There was nothing God could do to make Abraham not believe. You say, what do you mean? He said, in Isaac will your seed be called, right? God now said, okay, let me say whether he will still believe. He said, killed Isaac and born him to ashes. Abraham still believed. No, you, you don't know that's crazy. The promise was, in Isaac will your seed be. So being fully persuaded, you know, that's what the Bible says. He became what? Fully persuaded. So God now said, all right, let me test that full persuasion. He said, take that same Isaac, cut his throat, and burn his body to ashes. And you know what happened? Abraham was still fully persuaded. He said, but he's going to be dead now. And then he raised him back to life. But what he has said will come to pass. God said, okay, 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 okay. By myself, I have sworn. You know what that means? If you are not blessed, then God finally died. Which was impossible. So God tied Abraham's blessing to his very existence. He said, by myself, I have sworn that in blessing, I will bless you. It, that, that's what we are talking about. 
This life, I began by trying to say something. Don't walk by what you read and what you don't read. Outside. No. Know that if God says something, it can happen anywhere. So what you do is that you say in my life, it will happen. Now, we're talking about praying for the country. In this nation, it will happen. I found out recently that God is very, very interested in geography. They are very, very interested. He marks out the land. He said, this is the purpose for this particular plot of land. Mm-hmm. Then he tells his people, now go there and execute that purpose of mine. He says to his people, now go there and execute that purpose of mine. And then giants will arise. Oh. Giants will come. Let's list about five or ten different giants that this nation is facing currently. Banditry, that's one. There are many. In fact, okay, let's just do 10 to save time. Banditry, one. Corruption, thank you. That's a very big giant. That one giant is tall and heavy. That one, that one is not only tall and heavy, lives in a fenced city. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Somebody said inflation. Thank you very much. Another one. Okay. Fraud, Fraud is corruption. Huh? What's the same thing? Kidnapping, that's banditry. Anger, yeah, angry society. That's a very powerful one. That, that's, that one is a gigantic giant. <laughs> the society is angry, frustrated people, angry people. Yeah, you are very correct. Give me another one. Poverty, thank you. Poverty is a very strong one too. Uh-huh. Nepotism. Uh-uh, thank you guys. I've seen giants, man. <laughs> yes. Yes, nepotism and the close brother. Tribalism. Tribalism. These are two brothers of Goliath, I'm telling you. Yes. Give me another one. There are many. There are many. Eh? Religious intolerance. That's another giant. Religious intolerance. That's another giant. That's another giant. Yes, there are more. There are more. I'm happy you are cooking them up. You are bringing them from where they are hiding. You are exposing them. These are giants. Give me another one. Division in the body of Christ. No, no, we have handled tribalism. Biafranism. Okay, let me see. Yeah, separation of the country. Yes, that desire to break the country to pieces. Yes, you know. Okay, Yoruba nation, Biafranism. Yes, okay. Yeah, that's another one. It's a powerful giant. It's a powerful giant. Yes. Injustice is a very serious giant. I'm telling you, injustice is a serious giant. Yes. No, somebody has talked about poverty and hunger. Laziness is a giant. Lazy youth. They are all over the place. Yes, it's a serious giant. Oh, the love of money. Can you forget the biggest of the giants? That is the one that gave birth to Goliath. That's the one they call Arba. Arba, yes, there's one giant in the Bible called Arba. The love of money, which manifests in how people treat each other and treat their work. These are giants. I'm happy you know these giants. Somebody even gave me the one one of division inside the body of Christ. Well, that's a terrible thing, but it's not a giant in the land itself. So let's leave that for you. That's our problem. That's Israel. You know, Israel coming to the promised land. So that's within us. But the promised land we're talking about, these are the things we are are seeing inside there. But I want you to understand something. We will overcome all of them. Amen. We will overcome all of them. Amen. We will not yield the land to any one of them. Amen. Ah, there's one giant we forgot to mention. 
Uh, no, we'll put that one somewhere. It's, uh, we'll put that one under, like, love of money. Mm, no, all those on coming to poverty and stuff. Immorality, godlessness, yeah, that's a giant. We're not really, we're really not afraid of those things. Those are short, short giants. Islam. Muslim, Muslim tickets. Yes. Are, no, it's a giants are the things that try to drive the people of God out of their promised land. That's it. Now, that's it. Those are the giants that try to drive the people of God out of their promised land. But what am I saying today? We will not give space to any one of them. Amen. Winning is in the heart. You know, Israelites did not lose physically. They lost in their hearts. They saw the giants and said, we are not able. They saw the giants and said, we can't. Try now. Power is not constant. Any excuse not to do what you are supposed to do. Please, let me give you the word of God. If you face the giants, you will overcome them. Amen. You know a special prophetic word you've read in your Bible before? Because your Lord, the Lord your God is with you. So their defenses have departed from them. Amen. I want you to bear it in mind. Any giant you face, you will overcome. Amen. Of all these we have mentioned, you will overcome them. There's Amen. no giant that will be able to stand before the child of God who has not lost faith. Being fully persuaded. If you are fully persuaded, if you are fully, oh, you know, I've been a Christian for quite a while, been a preacher for a huge chunk of that period. And every day, I'll be honest with you, the power of God becomes more real to me. What I'm trying to say is this I've learned that if there's any problem, go and talk to the Lord about it. No matter how small, no matter how great. Now, I want to use it as an illustration again. Now, not out of covetousness, but just make a point. I am convinced if I have to travel very frequently, if God gave me a new line of ministry, okay? Right now, the most important thing I do is to teach the word and have it recorded and distributed. So the most, the number one way we distribute now, there are two of them. I don't know which one. Yeah, I think the internet, yeah, that's number one, our website. And then from there, we link for our podcasts. And then radio. On that internet, all our messages are downloadable. The books are there to download. You know, we distribute things. Books can be downloaded from the website. We share. You know, people just share our materials everywhere. And I, every day, I, I get testimonies. Oh, I get testimonies. I went to Lagos that day. You know, testimonies again. You meet people, you know, everywhere. You understand? So I know the word is prospering. The word is working. So that's the assignment I'm doing for now. But if tomorrow is says, Bank, I want you to go in another area, which now involves you traveling a lot. Okay? And God and I realize that I have to travel frequently. I'm at one airport. Do you know the truth? If I want a private plane, do you know it won't disturb me? I don't know whether I get my point. I won't sleep over it. By the time I, I what I will just do is just make sure that I've had enough hours wasted in the airport to show to the Lord. <laughs> Because if they are all on schedule, there's no need. And I said, God, see, the last three months, this is the number of hours your servant has wasted, so he can't do the work yet, you are saying. And you know, with God, 200 naira and 200 million naira is the same thing. A day with the Lord is like what? A thousand years. A dollar with the Lord is like a hundred million dollars. A hundred million dollars is like a dollar. 
10 billion naira with the Lord is like 10 naira. And 10 naira is like 10 billion. To him, it's nothing. It's nothing. To him, it's nothing. To fund it, can say, okay, you, come. Somebody, okay, yes, sir. I want you to go and apply to drill oil here. And every oil you, you collect from here, all the money goes into an account I don't want to spend just to push preachers up and down. And you raise one person like that. And that person will just be making a million cool dollars every month. You won't know why he's always paying for your fuel and praying for the play. No, to the God is nothing. He hasn't done anything special. To do that is, is easier than creating a mosquito. No, because some of us are so money minded, you think money is difficult for God. To do what I have said is easier than creating a mosquito. That tiny little thing is a powerful computer. If you do like this, it will dodge. <laughs> How many drones have that kind of power? As tiny as it is, do you know? It even knows who's troublesome. I found out. Yeah. If, if there are many people here, mosquito come there, you do like, do like this. It knows, when it smells you, say, this guy is wicked. It goes to the nice lady who cannot do like this. You go bite that one, where in hand, no go rich. Because because of makeup, you don't want to do like this. You know? <laughs> so they dive like para, you know, paratroopers. All of that inside that brain that is not up to the size of the, the you know, the bottom of a pin. It's not, the whole head is about that size anyway. Talking about beam. Look, when you see mosquito, respect God. The thing even knows how to identify that you are there. Do, do you know, it, it smells two things. Your body odor and carbon dioxide. So you see that human being did there. <laughs> now, so, uh, that is very intricate. Difficult to make. Yeah, God, just one evening, 100,000 comes out in your neighborhood. And I think God cannot make oil. Forget that thing. What am I going to say? Okay? I have realized that with God, there's no, these things are so easy. So if I need it, you know what I do? I get on my knees. I just want to use that as an illustration because it looks like a big thing to the average person. But you know, to, with God, I have realized that it's, I don't know how to say, it's nothing. It's like buying you a new phone. It's that simple. Once you just learn to see life from above. I hope you're getting what I'm going to explain here. Listen, what makes it difficult in life is this lack of persuasion. That's what makes it difficult. Lack of persuasion. Lack of interaction so that you understand that life is actually spiritually controlled. Why did I go into all of that? To let you know that there is no giant, there is no giant that's so big that we can't overcome. See, what I wanted to read today, or I, 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 I we're going to read, but we'll read it maybe another time. But let me explain something to you. If you and I, as a body, that's the church, if we decide that corruption is coming to an end, it will end. You know why corruption thrives in Nigeria? We have not decided. The day we decide, the day can, using them now to represent Christians, that's the Christian Association of Nigeria, and PFN, Pentecostal Fellowship of Nigeria, the day they can come to a sincere, sincere determination that corruption is ending in Nigeria, Jesus is Lord. Do you know it is extremely easy to end it? When I see the way we are mobilizing for PVC now, I wish we would mobilize against corruption like that. 
We should have a new PVC, personal vengeance against corruption. Yes. If the church gets a personal vengeance, if we mobilize in personal and collective the people's vengeance against corruption, the people of God, it can't last the year. It will not last the year. It will not last the year. It will not last the year. I'm telling you, I don't, I'm not doubting it. I'm not trying to preach nice. So. If I can even understand how, it, how the Lord will do it, it's so simple and straightforward. The reason why it thrives is that we have not said no. If we take that one first, the next, every other thing will just follow. When we say we are angry, we are tired of banditry, it will end. When we say we are tired of headsmen crisis, it will end. Anything we say, we are, if we say we are tired of epileptic power supply, it will end. The day we say we are tired of bad roads, it will end. The day we say we are tired of any infrastructure deficit in this nation, the church, it will end. You know why it hasn't ended? Say, Pastor, you say we are not tired. Yes, we are not tired. No, we are not. We are not. We are not. We are not. Because like I say, there are things you do that show that you are tired. For example, you don't like disorder. Because every time I see a red light, stop. It's a personal sacrifice. If someone says, like one brother said, no, we may go change Nigeria. I know. But that seed will change it. Like we said the other time, if you're a delegate and they sent you for primaries, about $5,000. Have you seen it before? It's nice money. It's very nice money. No, it looks nice. It's very beautiful. It looks like, um, okay, you know, imagine that you're very hungry. You know how the plate of Pandadian with the best egusi soup will look? Yeah, $5,000 is like 50 times as fine as that. Okay, you've seen brides on their wedding day. $5,000 fine past them. <laughs> Yet you will look at it and say, I don't want. You know, there's one which let me collect and go and give in my village. No, there's one God who say, no, don't touch it. When they bring you up and say, no, I'm not interested. Then they will share it in front of you. They will not return it to the, to a God sent it. They won't. And God says, don't bother. When you have enough Christians do that, then God says, it looks like they're actually tired of corruption. Then when you come and meet me and say, Pastor, I brought you something. And you give me $500 and I look at you. Say, you that I knew last week. Hey, come sit down. Where is this $500? So the Lord laid it upon my heart. The Lord put $500 inside your heart. He said, no, that's not what that means. I said, explain to me now. No, I like $500. I don't have a problem. I just want to know where you got it. And I find out you're a delegate. And I say, your money perish with you. Then God say, ah, these pastors, they are tired. <laughs> I hope I get to my point. And I say, my friend, go back and go and return it. Say, sir, I don't know who to give it to. Yeah, go to that junction and give $100 to the first 50 people that you will see. And I'm waiting for you here. Say, go. You know people will collect. They say, all this one, they say, if you take money from a stranger, you will disappear. It's because you are not giving the $100. It's because it's 50, 50 naira. <laughs> when you give the $100, they will say, oh, God, let's disappear. We will spend it wherever we are going. <laughs> then when you come back, having given out the money, God will say, hey, these people, they are really tired. And when enough of us will do that, then God will arise like a mighty warrior. And they will end corruption in the nation. You know what? That's what they call faith. Let's rise to our feet. Let us pray. Yeah, let's pray. Let's pray. This, that is what they call faith. If Jesus finds faith, if he finds faith, if he find, the problem is that you know what we used to call faith and receive it 
I claim it. I see it. I believe it. I claim it. It doesn't take anything out of you. It only collects, no, brings something for you. That is why we think we have faith when we don't. And then when we get one testimony after five years of believing God, finally got 209. Say, Lord, I believed God. Five years you've been exercising that nonsense faith. If it's genuine faith, we'll have seen results. Genuine faith, you know what he does? Sometimes he collects things from you. Yeah, he collects things from you. Your name is Abraham. Yes, you could have taken the goods of the king of Sodom. But he said to him, unless you say I make Abraham rich, no, I'm not touching. That is genuine faith. Now I want you to pray. Say, Lord, let my faith not fail. That's prayer I'm going to pray for yourself. Because see, that's what this nation needs. People whose faith will not fail. Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Oh, I believe it's the word of God for this evening. Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. I have prayed for you. So pray for yourself this evening. That my faith will not fail. People sometimes say that you can't pray for faith. Well, I have come to understand you can actually pray for faith. You can. You can. Jesus did. He prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail. He did. There's what is called the spirit of faith. There's what is called the spirit of faith. God gives it. There's what is called faith by the spirit. God gives it. So ask this evening. Say, Lord, bring me to the point of full persuasion. It's an important prayer. Pray for yourself. Say, Lord, bring me to the point of full persuasion. So that the things that I see will not get me discouraged. I pray, Lord, today that giants will never scare me. Mm-hmm. We listen to a lot of giants. Say, Lord, I pray that giants will not scare me. Strengthen my heart, O oh Lord. So that my faith will not fail and giants will not scare me. He said, Lord, help my unbelief. He said, simple prayer that man prayed that day. Help my unbelief. Because many times I see Christians losing faith. Oh God, they lose faith. Some people will lose faith. They, just be disc- they almost discourage other people. I want you to pray this evening. That Lord, I will not discourage anybody with my actions. Let those who wait, hopefully wait for you, not be ashamed because of me. That's an important prayer. Pray it for yourself this evening. Pray that prayer for yourself this evening. Let them not be put to shame because of me. Lord, that my faith will not fail. It's an important prayer. I pray, Lord, that my faith will not fail. That's our prayer point for today. Once we are done with praying that, we're leaving. What are we praying? Because you see, those who endure to the end, there's a way you hold your faith. Jesus was called the author and finisher. You have to hold this faith till the end. I'm giving you what the Spirit is saying. That God requires those who will rise up in faith and claim this nation for him. You know, we talked about it last time. God is speaking to the remnants. He said, arise and claim this land. How do you do it? It's by faith. He said, Lord, let my faith not fail. That's a prayer you must pray. Because God is asking you, arise and claim this land for me. That's what the Lord is saying to you. Arise and claim this nation of yours. People have lost faith. As a result of that, they'll be seeing all kinds of things. Please, I want to beg you, don't get involved in too many analyses. You know this election cycle is going on right now. Any candidate that comes up, people want to tear him to pieces. All the time that, um, is it Shetima? Was saying people should go and drink ice cream. Remember when they said the vice president should be... Should, 
go, go, and, go and sell popcorn and ice cream. I didn't hear anything about the man. The moment he was chosen as, as running mate, my God, all the evil he has done, I've read so many in the last few days. Picture of him eating with somebody. My friend said, that guy must be a terrorist. He said, look at the turban the guy is wearing. Me, I've just kept going watching everybody. Anybody rise up, that's it. Can I just beg all of you? Don't waste your time. What did I say? What did I say? There's one thing we have agreed on. I think we have agreed on it now. The person the Lord wants to use to move the nation forward, you don't know the person. You know why, how you can't know the person? I'll prove it to you in one second. Okay, let me use five seconds. Only God knows the heart of man. All of us are judging like Samuel. The Lord's anointed is before him. That's what we are doing. Only God knows the heart of man. So what I have learned to pray, let me remind us again concerning the next election. Don't, please, I'm instructing you by the Spirit of God. Don't pray for anybody to win. Vote for the person you like. That person that you think is good, go and vote. I hope you're getting my point. But please, don't pray that one person will win because you don't know. There are times I've had, I've had personal, close persons running for office. The other time I said, God, you know, say I can't pray that this person must win, but so how do I do this prayer now? That is, you are close to me, but I cannot insist before God that you must win. No matter how good, if I decide to go and run for office tomorrow, I forbid you from praying that I should win. Because sometimes you go and pray that I win now, that's how I go lose my ministry because of your prayer. And I become useless in the main thing. You know, we have prophets in Nigeria that are running for office. And some of us are praying all the time that they will not win. I hope that prayer is good. We just want to preserve their ministry. What am I trying to say? How do you pray? You say, Lord, the, appoint by yourself the person who you will use to move this nation forward in line with your purpose, Amen. in line with your will. Amen. That's it. And please don't vary that prayer. Pray it like that all the time. Lord, let that sit. Let no one occupy it who will not be the one that will cooperate with what you want to do in this season. Father God, by yourself, appoint your David and cause him to sit on that throne. Once you have done like that, give the Lord thanks for everybody. The day of election, what do you do? Go and cast your vote according to your conscience in righteousness. I feel like going over it again. What do I mean by that? It means your reason for voting for anybody must be a good, a righteous reason. He's my friend. It's a bad reason. But if he's, he's my friend, I trust him. He's not corrupt in any form. That's a good reason. Oh, I've known his children. He's like Daniel. It's a good reason. I hope you're getting my point here. Whatever the reason you have, look, just make sure your conscience is clear before God. That if God needed to ask you, why did you do this? You'll be able to tell him, these are my reasons. And each one you will say with confidence, knowing that he will not say, but I told you. Then when the result is announced, give the Lord thanks. And return to praying for the nation. Some people, once their candidate doesn't win, now of course, there are some people that criticize this government from the beginning to the end, and they have the title to pastor. If you're a pastor, you're a sinner. Because a government doesn't succeed because the man is good. Alone. Yeah, there has to be people. David didn't succeed all by himself. There were Haitophers around him. There were strong men around him. Do you know why the children of Israel did not enter the promised land? Was because of Moses. Huh? Are you saying I don't know what I'm saying? 
Of course, it's not true. It's not because of Moses. Moses was good, but did not enter the promised land. The main reason why Joshua could take them into the promised land was that the Egyptian, the Egyptian hearted people amongst them had died. Not because he was a better person than Moses. He wasn't better than Moses. It was because God had removed the Egypt from the midst of them. So the, the next generation could now go in, having learned from the previous generations. What's the point I'm trying to make? Listen, let's not lose faith for any reason. If you want good to come to this nation, it's going to depend on your faith. It's not, see, you know what I tried to explain from the beginning? It's not about divine purpose alone. Do you hear what I said? It's not about divine purpose alone. It's not. We've been, some of us have been teaching for a long time about divine purpose. But we need to persuade enough Christians to accept that and hold it there to happen. Otherwise, the nation becomes like Sodom, becomes like Gomorrah. I hope you're getting my point. Otherwise, the nation is turned to Sodom and Gomorrah. Faith is what is required for what God proposed. So, as a believer, you've entered into a fight. What did I say? <laughs> Give me the whole sentence. As a believer, okay, now make it personal. You are in a fight. You are a soldier. You are a soldier. Let me give you an example. Now, this is a very funny example. But if, if Nigeria decides that, okay, they need to end this banditry thing once and for all, and they need to get in 700,000 soldiers, do you know Nigerians are the ones that will enter? Yes. You put in 700,000 soldiers, and then they start fighting. Take a year, 18 months, they bring it into an end. Now, I'm not saying it must work. I'm just giving an idea. I, I hope you're getting my point. That is, if you are going to redeem the nation, there's the people inside that we do it also. Now, this fight starts from the realm of the spirit. That's what I'm going to emphasize. The fight starts from where? The realm of the, realm of the spirit. That is where it begins from. So what we have right now is that many people are deserting. In faith, they are deserting. Every opportunity they have, they change their mind. They run away. One person said after he saw the primaries, and after Bola Tinubu picked his uh, running mate, he knew the country was finished. If you ever thought like that, I give you t- 10 seconds to repent. Yeah, yeah, just repent. You don't have to talk to me, talk to the Lord. Some of you thought like that. Some people say, listen, I thought that once they saw this current, listen, they knew the country was not going forward. So, what were you thinking? There's human beings that would make, do you, I don't know whether you're getting my point. What were they expecting? You want to know my own opinion? I didn't change, nothing changed, nothing. At least, nothing changed one bit. That is what I'm expecting. In fact, I think more of uh, I think more of his prophecies than I think about these political things. The man has prophesied that by next year, some things will turn. That's what I'm looking at. So I use his prophecy to pray for the people that are running for election. Yes. That these are the things the Lord wants to do. If you not cooperate. You know, how many levels of election do we have that we have understood spiritually? How many? Three levels. What are, what are they? Which is and tertiary. Now we all know the primaries. Now, secondary is what the main election. What's tertiary? Is God now deciding who will sit on the throne? You won the election according to INEC. Does not guarantee you will sit on the throne. 
Occasionally, the Lord comes in and decides the power belongs to me. Let me demonstrate. So we have seen tertiaries in Nigeria. Governors not too far away from Ewu South for how many days? How many days did Dubai do that thing? Some say seven, seven. No, it was more than... Eh? Okay, anyways. It was, everybody agreed it was less than three weeks. And somebody said 11, somebody said 17. But we all agree it was not more than 17 days. He sat. He couldn't even finish sitting. You know when you sit, you now put your back down. Before he could put his back down, God said, go, back, go away. Poor guy. I wish he would just stop trying. Because last time he spent everything again. And Anambra will show Guy Pepe. He bought the whole of Abgar's structure. And then he didn't even come second. He came third, have he? After coming third, the Supreme Court said, no, you were not even a candidate. They were making it impossible to even go to any tribunal. How Anyway, that was tertiary. We have seen tertiaries in which a man who did not even contest the election wrote to me a message. He was said to be the duly elected governor of River State. That was some years ago. Remember it? Remember the tertiary of Kogi? Of a man who was winning the election before they could declare him winner. He died. Remember the tertiary of Bayosa? The man was rehearsing, oh, swear, he's swearing in tomorrow. Please stop cooking on credit for politicians. You may never get your money. <laughs> you know what I'm telling you. Somebody've made cloth on credit. You ain't going to get paid. <laughs> there are all kinds of tertiaries. We've seen them all over this nation. Don't think it's limited to the states. God can do it in the federal too. I said God can do it in the federal. Amen. Nobody should boast though. Nobody. So let him that puts on his armor not, not boast like him that takes it off. All these people that campaign, I've not, I'll be honest with you. I, I sometimes have personal preferences. I do. I'm not saying I don't. Okay? But I'm not, I don't have hope in anybody. If next year I comes and the person who becomes president is not even somebody I know now, I won't be shocked. I'll be surprised. I mean, like, what I mean is physically, like, ah, what happened? But at the end of the day, I will say only one thing. The power belongs to God. That's what I will say. The power belongs to God. Now hear the word of the Lord. Anyone that will mount that throne will do you good. Amen. The Bible says all things are yours. Now I speak to the body of Christ. Please let's not annoy God. That's what I'm just trying to say in all of these things. Because this is what God wants to do. That everyone who will mount this throne will do you good. Amen. The church in Nigeria, listen. I have ordained my servant, my anointed one to mount your throne. You will see him the day he will mount the throne. Amen. And I have ordained that he will do you good. Amen. No matter who he is, if he will not do the church good, the Lord will remove him. Amen. Please, the people of God, let me explain these things. It's pain in my heart. You have to activate these things. You don't wait to see it. Can I digress a bit? Digression. You know, have you seen women do it sometimes? The problem is my husband, he never makes the right decision. Have you heard that thing before? Some women say that. Stop saying it. You don't understand. Let me give you a, your assignment. You have to activate wisdom for that man. See, you can get on your knees. When you finish praying for him, he will wake up in the morning, he will be so wise, he will be wondering where his wisdom came from. 
He will talk. He will feel it. That is the Aitofelian spirit. Have you heard of that before? You know I have to invent my own English so that my message can be clear. The Aitofelian spirit will just enter into him. You'll be wondering, what happened? I heard the husband speak last week. My God. What's going on? You will not know it's because you got on your knees and prayed. So the only thing they can do about their husbands in prayer is complain. When they kneel down, God, I had a career before I married this man. See, you know what they call accuser of the brethren? It's not just your office, it's the job you agreed to do. There's supposed to be an intercessor. There's a difference between an intercessor and an accuser. Both of them are advocates. They are both lawyers. They are both um, solicitors and attorneys. One accuser is the person that comes to present everything that is wrong about somebody. Sometimes those who are accused, they don't, know, they don't even know they are accusing the person. They just think they are just burying their heart out. Get on your knees and pray for your husband. Say, Lord, do you say submit to this man, Abi? Eh, but he has to be wise. I activate wisdom for him in Jesus' name. There are times, you know, he will tell you, let's, let's go out. Now, he says it's about to rain. He said, husband, can't we go later when the rain has stopped? He said, no, let's go now. You just in your heart say, in Jesus' name, I submit. Let's go. As you proceed, God will stop the rain because you came. They now discover that the person that you were planning to see was going to leave by 12. He has a flight by 1. And the man that says, let's go. He did not even know. He thought he was being stubborn. Then you get to him and say, ah! Thank God we went. That man was going to leave by one. I was saying we should go when the rain will have stopped. And the rain didn't stop till that is in my mind, maybe to be like three o'clock. Three o'clock. Ah, where is he? He's traveled. When is he coming back? Ah, under two months. So where did he go? He went to Lagos to catch a flight to America. Ah. That's what God does. You activate wisdom. If God puts in under authority to somebody, you have a job. Otherwise, you oh, you know what they call frustration. You will develop goiter from frustration. Your hair will fall off from frustration. Your husband will wake up in the morning and say, Today, we are wasting all the family's finances. And you want to explain to him. And then the more you complain, the more he is foolish. You have a job to do. Let me just advise you ahead of time. You, you women, we never marry. If any man cannot even stimulate small, small respect from you, not marry him. Because you have to have a seed of faith. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point. If from the beginning you think he's an idiot, if you marry him, go. I hope you are getting my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are begging for divine judgment. You can't be married. the day of marriage. Say, look at this fool. Now I won't marry. So, hey, if you were God, you bless you. A lot is good. Just let me leave that. Let me finish the main thing I'm trying to say. Concerning your nation is the same thing. Concerning this nation is the same thing. I don't care who is going to be appointed. I will make you wise. What did I say? Tell yourself, I will make you wise. wise. Say, President of Nigeria, Nigeria, I will make you wise. I will make you you do the right thing. thing. By my prophetic word, by my my prayers to the Father, Father, you will do the right. You will do the the right thing. You will do the right thing. thing. Because all things are mine. mine. Now you are speaking on behalf of the Church of Christ. Say this. On behalf of the Church of Christ, Christ, 
I say, all things are mine. The presidency is mine. The vice presidency is mine. Senate presidency is mine. IG of police is mine. Chief of army staff mine. The legislative house is mine. The legislative house is mine. Supreme Court mine. Say all things are mine. The desert in the north is mine. The swamp in the south is mine. The oil in the ground is mine. The farmlands across this nation. They are all mine. All things are mine. Now it's the body of Christ speaking. I hope you're getting my point. We personify the body of Christ. This is the word of God. Everything is ours. Amen. Let me say it again. Whoever will be president, you will do us good. Amen. See, we know about four front runners now. We just pick four of them. But we, you know, guess what? We don't know the heart of anyone. Please don't pretend like you do. You don't. You're a liar if you tell me you do. The Bible says the heart of man is exceedingly deceitful. Very deceitful. Judas will run with you in ministry for three years and still betray you. I hope you are getting my point. Because I see the church trying to, they are getting sidetracked. They think, I remember those days in America, one man of, man of God I used to follow would be analyzing politicians for me. Not for me personally, but for the mailing group. I led the mailing group. I said, okay, I didn't come here to come and hear what politician is good for your country or not. I wanted to hear, thus says the Lord. So when it wouldn't stop, click, click. I wrote him a mail, though. I usually don't bother looking, but I just felt I should. Maybe nobody knows everything. I just wrote him a mail and said, oh God, please, when I came here, I wanted to hear what the Lord was saying. First, as a rule, you will pick Republican candidates. If you know American politics, those are the Christians. They are not, they are not necessarily born again. They are, they are conservative. Then Mitt Romney won the election. Mitt Romney is a Mormon. Mormonism is considered a cult by Christians, and that's correct. They don't believe in the Jesus you and I believe in. They don't. They have another set of scriptures that's not our Bible. It's founded, the little I understand, on a fraud, empowered by some spirits. Kennedy will tell you that the day he went to Mormon temple to go and just look, they have they, are, they, they, are, they have beautiful architecture. They have a, a temple on the way to trans- um, that's Nikki Lake Road there. They have there. Yeah. They have another one near CIC. Yes. They usually have fine architecture. So the one they have in Utah. So he went to go and look. Beautiful architecture. Then he, next thing he saw people gather in the commotion. He looked, what is going on? His own son was having a fit. The guy didn't have epilepsy or anything like that. He said, but he knew what was going on. So he went there, told everybody to move back, put his hand upon the boy, said, the name of Jesus, come out. You know, the spirit had possessed the guy, or attacked the guy. The boy calmed down, he got up. He told his wife, come, let's go. We're on enemy territory. Just told his wife, come, let's go. He took his wife, took his son, let's go. Now, Mitt Romney is a Mormon. To my amazement, this brother began to show that Mormons are not so bad after all. I said, see what politics has done to us. After all, many of the people we are saying are Christians now in Nigeria, they are not born again. No? Yes, yes. The fact name is Jonathan, does not make, it does not mean you are not going to have fire. I hope you are getting my point. Even if your name is Peter, you can die and go to hell. 
Please, let's tell ourselves the truth now. Why are we pretending? Suddenly everybody is suddenly born again now. The church suddenly will now, you know, they now, everybody enter their food now when it's political talk time. Let me tell you the truth. Only God knows the heart of man. Yes. So we're going to keep our eyes focused on God. Again, all things are ours. Somebody say that. The presidency is ours. Therefore, we declare. No one will sit on that chair. Who will be against the people of God? We command the seat. Reject such a one. Remember, the seat is our own. It doesn't mean we'll take our pastor and go and put him there. That's not what we mean. What we mean that it will serve the purpose of God in our lives. Please, what have I preached today? All these things are activated how? They are activated how? Let me hear you. How are they activated? How are they activated? It is what it... (laughs) Yes, I have a good way to summarize it. It is to you according to your faith. The church in Nigeria, it is to you according to your faith. Last time we said something, I'll say it again. In fact, what I've said many times, God said, if you want this nation, I will give you. Let the person who wants to begin to give the Lord thanks and say, Lord, I receive it. I receive this nation. I receive this nation. The work of God will prosper in this land. I receive this nation. I receive this nation.